0: This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, folks. Uh, I come to you with a sad heart. Uh, things have not worked out as we had hoped. And I'll deal with the elephant in the room right off the bat. I'm here with Tony tonight. Um, Michigan football stinks.
1: Um, <laughs> to wait, did they lose again today?
0: They did. They lost to Indiana.
1: Okay. So, I'm going to well, listen. Yeah. The only thing that could be worse right now than being a Michigan fan is a Penn State fan. Because uh, Penn State yes. apparently got housed by Maryland. And so now yes. Penn State is 0 3.
0: Yes. Uh, they've, they've, uh, Repeated their record that they haven't had in 80 years, I just saw tonight. But back to my my pain, uh, Michigan. Um, Minnesota won big today over Illinois. So as I commented to a friend, I said, well, apparently Illinois is really bad. Because Michigan beat up on Minnesota, and Minnesota beat up on Illinois. So by the transitive property, Illinois must be horrible.
1: Uh, right. Michigan well, the question, horrible. though, is that Indiana might actually be pretty good.
0: That's what I'm starting to figure out. Maybe Indiana isn't awful because I believe they're three and zero, which yeah, that's hard to believe. I mean, how
1: can Indiana at this point? Now it doesn't help them that Penn State is zero and three. Although of course Penn State lost to Ohio State and Indiana, mm-hmm. but how can they not be in the top twenty-five after having beaten Penn State and now Michigan?
0: I uh, don't know. That's a very good question. Although, well, I mean, I don't know Michigan what the new Stakes,
1: poll is going to reflect, but they would—I would assume they would have to be.
0: Well, I don't know. They—they beaten. Indiana's beaten two really bad teams. I don't know how you say they should be in the top 25 if they've beaten two bad, crappy teams. Right.
1: So we don't time. know how good anyone is <laughs> other than, as we've said, the only three teams that matter, which are uh, Alabama, although Clemson is losing right now yes. because they still don't have Trevor Lawrence. Notre Dame is beating them at the half.
0: Yeah, And Georgia got shellacked by uh, Florida today. So
1: Yeah, by the way, this, is, this entire show is going to be about college football. Yeah, we if, if you thought it was something everyone. else, I don't
0: know what you thought it was going to be. Uh, totally about football. Uh yeah, college football. There isn't any. <laughs> There's nothing to speak of unless you're one of a fan of one of those three teams. Other than yeah. that, uh, Pac-12 came back today. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, so I hadn't heard. Yeah, I hadn't heard. Well, nobody had heard because they only have six games this season. Let's get on to the other, the smaller elephant in the room. And by that I mean the G O P. Um, and I want I wanted to hit some positives.
1: Well, here's the thing, and you and I have not discussed we haven't talked about it at all anything since the election. So I'm actually going to be interested to see what some of your opinions are about the wide variety of things that we can discuss
0: <laughs> so, yeah, um much like anything else, you look at the top of the ticket. you look at the top of whatever you, you nobody cares who comes in second in the Super Bowl. They had a great season. they had. They were better than 30 other teams, but they didn't win, so nobody cares. And I think when you look at a presidential election year, you always look at the presidential election. That's the one that, that gets the most attention, justifiably so. But I think there's a lot of positives to take from this, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat it because what's going on at the presidential side, we'll talk about that in a second, uh, is not awesome. But the fact that um, you know, just looking at the state level, a lot of the state houses are going to remain in Republican control. Uh, there was not a flip over to democratic control. And why does that matter? Well, because every 10 redistricting. years, it every 10 years that matters hugely because as Tony said, redistricting, uh, you, you hear the word gerrymandering and it's only ever put out, you know, when this comes around, they don't talk about it any other rest of the year. And if you've ever looked at a, A congressional district a state district in your state you'll notice how none of them actually have shapes you've ever seen in uh, geometry they they exist in uh, some fabricated land of make-believe where you know things just scoot around different demographic areas well that's going to be determined by the state houses uh in each state so that's coming up. That's something to look forward to because the Republicans maintained a lot of that. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win those elections just because they shape the district a certain way. But you got to believe they're going to shape the district to favor the Republican candidates or possible candidates going forward. So it, that's a big deal. Uh, state governorships. I don't know that, how much were how many of those were up for grabs, but it doesn't I didn't hear much about them. So I'm assuming it wasn't too many. Uh, the House, the U.S. House.
1: The house was a disaster for the Democrats.
0: Yeah, and you're not going. It's much like when you hear we didn't get, uh, we got our funding cut because they didn't get as much as they asked for. Well, they lost people. Uh, Nancy Pelosi may or may not still be the Speaker of the House. I, I, the Republicans don't look like they're going to take it back, but she may or may not be Speaker of the House if she can't control her people and and get them. Like now, I'm going to defend Nancy a little bit here it's not Nancy's responsibility to get these people elected. That's kind of on them and the Na- democratic national committee. She's not in charge of that, but she's looked at as the face of that. So she takes the, the pluses on yeah, the Well, minus. Of
1: course, but it is, it is her fault because the agenda. Exactly. She's the face of the radical left, even though there's people in her caucus who are even more radically left wing than she is. Right. So it was interesting. There were reports that the, The Democrats, and this was in the New York Times, had a a very fractious and unhappy uh, conference call with all of the Democratic House members. And apparently there were people that were that were weeping. Uh, There were people that were yelling. But the the people who were yelling were basically saying um, we should have won this election and expanded by 10 or 12 seats instead we didn't we did not unseat a single republican incumbent we've lost six seats we may be on our way to losing when it's all said and done 10 and the reason and apparently somebody made a comment i don't ever want to hear the word socialism <laughs> uttered again i don't want to hear any more about defunding the police and so there's this now internal war which which is which has been on a low boil for a while. You've got the squad Mm -hmm. and everything that they represent against the dwindling group of Democrats who would prefer not to go full socialist. And there's not many of them. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I also think we need to take a step back. So the the consensus, the received wisdom, a day before this election, From all of the smart people again, all the pollsters and Nate Silver and the New York Times, we were being assured this was Donald Trump and the Republican Party's Armageddon. It was the blue tsunami was coming, right? Yes. I mean, you go back and take a look at these predictions, uh, and we're going to talk. I want to talk a little bit about how horrifically bad, yet again, the polling was. And what I want to discuss is: is it even possible? That that was because of incompetence at this point, or was it intentional? Because their polls, as bad as they were in 2016, and don't believe the revisionism. Well, no, actually, they were pretty good. No, they were terrible. Everyone said that Donald Trump had no chance. They were even worse this time. After experiencing that, and vowing, "Oh, we'll get it right." You know, we must not really understand those Trump bumpkins, but we'll 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 change our methodology around. Chad, there were people, Washington Post, saying that Donald Trump was trailing by 17 points in Wisconsin the day before the election. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, well, we'll talk about this, probably won Wisconsin, but nevertheless, that election was in within like 1%. Okay, You see this down the line. They got Florida wrong by like 15 points. They got Pennsylvania wrong by 10 or 12 points. I mean, absurd, absurd margins. So if you take a a 20,000-foot view of this election based on what was being predicted, the Republicans have to be happy in the sense that, well, we don't know whether they've held the Senate. We'll talk about that too. Uh, They're right now leading 50 to 48, and the two Georgia runoffs are going to decide whether the Democrats can control the Senate. They have to win one of those. But they made gains in the House, and then, of course, we have this incredibly uh, surreal – perfectly bizarro 2020 presidential election, but ultimately what was supposed to be just sure domination by the Democrats did not materialize at all.
0: No. So you, you alluded to the Senate. Uh, we got two seats there that did a peculiarity of Georgia law. They have to get a 50% margin to be considered uh, elected. If not, they have a runoff in January. And for some reason, both seats fell into that camp. Uh, Georgia law, I just read this, uh, allows people to move in up through December 7th to set set up residency in Georgia be able to vote in this runoff. So I'm certain we'll see a lot of people moving to Georgia at least for a month.
1: A lot of P.O. boxes (laughs) as my primary domicile in Georgia.
0: Yeah. uh, Expect that to be part of the uh, billion dollars they're they're projecting. Another billion dollars spent uh, for those races. You think about the absurd amount of money to unseat uh, Lindsey Graham or Mitch McConnell uh, spent by the Democrats. It is phenomenal how much money was spent. And I'm not sure exactly what they got for that for the most part. Now, we'll talk about some of the presidential stuff. But I just want people to feel, regardless of which candidate you you supported, and I think if you're listening to this show, I can guess which candidate you supported. There are some
1: uh, green party, the right? green
0: party. Yes. Uh, Joe Jurgensen, uh, uh, anyway,
1: or <laughs> actually he's libertarian, right?
0: She, yes, she, yes. See, I don't even know. Yeah. Her running mate was It's middle- J O right. It's, it's not J O E. Correct. Her yeah. running mate was spike.
1: I hadn't, I hadn't carefully reviewed her CV. Yeah, so it
0: doesn't really matter. She wasn't going to win. Uh, so those, there are some positives. Now, one of our listeners wanted to hear us lose our minds, and you may hear some of that, so don't be alarmed if you do. It's just uh, venting to get it all out there. I, I don't know what Tony's going to say about all this. I think there was fraud, and I'm going to be very clear on this. I think there was fraud. I think there's fraud all the time, especially in certain counties, especially Democratic counties. Part of me leans to the direction of, it couldn't have been that much fraud because of what we just talked about with the the house and the state uh, assemblies, because if it was down the board, you would expect the Democrats to get votes down the board, not just for president. So I'm not sure if I buy that, but here's the part that bothers me the most. And it's, it's not Philadelphia. It's not Georgia. It's not Wisconsin. It's not Michigan, all the, and all in Arizona, all the irregularities that we'll discuss. It's the fact that a walking stiff in Joe Biden, and a basically a socialist Marxist in his running mate garnered more votes than the light giver Barack Obama. Now, I know there's more people alive now than there were in 2008, so therefore that could happen. But this man ran no campaign. He barely left his basement. His vice presidential running mate, once she was nominated, she held one press conference between the start of being nominated and the election. And this person won 74 million votes. Something just seems off on that calculus. Because if you look back in the weeks leading up to the election, Joe Biden might have 10 people at a rally. If they even came at all. There was one in Arizona nobody showed up for. I'm citing Pima County, Arizona. There was a 97-mile Trump train of cars the week before the election, 97 miles. And that county somehow went 65, 35 to Biden. Now, I'm confused because that's a big, Arizona has six counties and they're all very large. I'm confused how you can look at that and say, well, yep, it, it passes the eye test because that makes total sense to me that you'll garner more votes in places where nobody seems to be supporting you. And yet I'm supposed to believe that those numbers are real. Or I'm supposed to believe, anecdotally, that a guy who died in 1984 still somehow voted in September in Michigan. Would it make him 123? I'm not sure how that functions. I think that stuff happens constantly. Do I think it's the difference between this election? I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know. I think we're going to have a 1960 repeat where I effectively believe Illinois and Texas were rigged for Kennedy and...
1: And Nixon so do a didn't lot of other him. people.
0: And, and Nixon didn't fight it and let it let it go. I do not believe that the votes just miraculously showed up. And I don't care what you want to say. I think we have demonstrated in this election that the entire mail-in ballot was a fiasco. Well,
1: it's that's, it's okay. a horrible That's experience. the key. Yes. So let me. All right. There's a few things I want to say before I kind of launch into what I think about this. The first thing that I want to say is that, or at least address, is the concept between direct evidence and circumstantial evidence, because many of the things that I'm reading now from, including, uh, including our friend and also, you know, sort of Republicans in good standing, and even somebody like David French, um, who is a Christian, who is a sort of never Trumper, very smart guy, a lawyer, is this idea that there is simply no way that any Clear thinking conservative should be out there claiming that this election was stolen by fraud or involved fraud because there's just no evidence. And that is a bunch of conspiratorial nonsense and it's irresponsible, etc. Okay. So. And I'm not a I'm not a guy who wears the the tinfoil hat. I'm not an Infowars guy. I generally am actually very skeptical of these sorts of things. And I I'm not going to talk tonight about conspiracies, but I want to go back to this idea. So direct evidence, and the easy example you probably heard this is: um, if I walk outside, I put my hand out. I don't have an umbrella. I'm getting wet. Oh, it's raining. I have direct evidence. It's raining on me. Now, right. circumstantial evidence is: I get up. Uh, I haven't gone outside, but. I open my garage door and the entire neighborhood, the streets, the driveway, the sidewalks, everything is wet. Well, circumstantially, I'm going to conclude it probably just rained. Now, is it possible that let's say a fire suppression plane flew over my house and dropped a thousand gallons of water? I guess, but circumstantially, the likely conclusion is it rained. And guess what? In court, and a lot of people make this mistake circumstantial evidence is just as good as direct evidence, okay? In other words, would you feel any less certain that it rained, Chad, had you walked outside and seen all of your yard and the streets everywhere wet or if you actually felt the raindrop? I would say no. Now, why do I say this? Because to your point, right now, I think there is some, but by virtue of the nature of this process, there is very little direct evidence of fraud, because that's going to require audits, and that's going to require testimony, and that's going to require a whole bunch of things that actually haven't happened yet. On the other hand, do I think that there is an Olympian-sized amount of circumstantial evidence that there was fraud everywhere in these swing states. And what I'm talking about is Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Georgia. Absolutely. And I do not care whether you want to look at me and say, you've, you've gone around the bend, Tony, or the, the Trump Kool Aid has addled your brain. And I'm going to go through what I'm talking about here. Anybody who knows anything about turnout history in the United States in terms of elections, about Voting patterns, who looks at this election and particularly how it unfolded, and would say, nothing sketchy there, looks totally on the up and up. You alluded to even some of these dynamics in terms of Joe Biden, Mr. Basement Dweller, Mr. Non Charisma, Mr. Trezlemmer for Learner, whatever he's talking about, half the time that he walks out there. He beat Barack Obama. And not only did he beat Barack Obama, nationally. He outdid Barack Obama in the inner city precincts. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. So my position on this is, and you're correct, we don't know whether there was sufficient fraud to have flipped this election. But there was massive fraud regardless. And I will make my case about that as we go forward. And anyone who says otherwise, here's what I will, I will say. Would you be saying that if we had flipped the script? Okay, let's take the listeners back to Election Eve if you were following this, Chad. And you, I'll let you kind of chime in in terms of what was going on. So as of about... 11, 1130 at night. Do you remember what the state of the race was in, and we'll pick the key states, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. What was the state of the presidential race as of about that time on election night? Do you remember?
0: Trump was leading in each of those states.
1: Yes, right? and he was leading by fairly substantial margins. Oh yeah,
0: it was, it, it looked like, so, and I don't, I'll we'll get into pro- pro- prognostication that some of these networks get into, but it was amazing how Virginia was called one percent of the votes in, but Georgia had eighty-seven percent of the votes in, and you they still
1: haven't in. called Alaska. Still
0: haven't called Alaska. There, they're like they're waiting. Thousand, thousand they're votes. waiting
1: for that Inuit uh, sled dog vote to come in for Biden. They just can't be sure. Yeah, yeah we'll talk some more about the absurdity <laughs> of how they call not just the absurdity the outright bias in how they call these races. And by the way, Fox news channel, probably the worst offender.
0: Yep. Well, I I want to say, I want to say this before. I don't care who calls the state because none of them matter. Not a single, I don't care. Are you sure
1: the New York times has declared Chad, that they're the ones that get to to decide who's the president.
0: They self-declared that they get to make the decisions that they don't get to make. AP doesn't get to make it. Fox News, ABC, CBS, NBC. None of them get electoral college based on the votes. That's it. So I read our friend's blog today. He called the election. His matters as much as you and I call the election, which is to say not in the slightest. Now, do I think Biden's going to be the president? Yes, because I don't think any of these lawsuits are going to change anything.
1: But we can talk. Oh, I agree. I agree. Go ahead. All right. So you're correct that as of about 1130, um, the state, and I I don't have numbers in front of me, but I'm I'm pretty sure this is close enough. Trump was leading by about 100,000 votes or thereabouts in both Michigan and Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. He was leading by 700,000 votes in Pennsylvania, and he was leading by about 400,000 votes in Georgia. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, let's also set the stage here because this is the pushback Yes. The votes that were still outstanding in many of those places were about to be some of the larger urban areas. And we absolutely agree. So you're talking about Fulton County, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Detroit. Those those votes were still coming in. And so everyone is going to say, well, obviously this is what was expected. Trump was going to be ahead because the Republicans all voted in person. Uh, and then Biden was going to surge as all of his supporters and their mail-in ballots came pouring in from all these these deep blue areas. Okay, fair enough. Now, so what do you also remember what happens as Trump has this lead? By the way, at that time, the betting markets mm-hmm. had Trump the 80-20 favorite to be the president of the United States yep. as we're heading towards midnight. Now, do you remember then what happened very oddly in all of these swing states, in terms of a decision that was made by all of them at the same time, what happened, Chad? Uh, we're gonna stop counting votes. Not gonna start again until tomorrow. All of them, huh? Which is now alive. that strikes one. If we're gonna talk again, let's think about our little circumstantial chart of, I don't know, red flags. Now that's a little strange. Yeah. Um, that's unusual. We're we're counting votes in a print. we're just gonna we're gonna stop. We're gonna stop oh. for a while. You know, just catch our breath, have a Gatorade. You know, go outside, do some Pilates. Get a smoke. Okay. All right. So so now we all go to bed whenever you went to bed, one, two o'clock, because people were just bleary eyed and we knew there's going to be no results. And what happens as we arise the next morning, Chad, is is, is the status quo been preserved? No, no. The votes
0: suddenly showed up due to typos. That's what it was. Typos. They weren't really there, but then they still stayed there. I don't know what happened.
1: Well, it's not even typos. So yes, so we wake up, we went to bed, Donald Trump, fairly sizable margins in each of these states. And again, acknowledging um, when the counting starts again, that there's going to be these urban centers, you expect Biden to close the gap. And incredibly, in every one of the states, well, not everyone, Trump was now behind in Michigan and Wisconsin. Biden had made up over 100,000 votes in each. The gap in Pennsylvania had been substantially whittled down. I think it was now like the 300,000 and the same thing for Georgia, like hundreds of thousands of votes had changed. Now, what's even more fascinating is, and if you track, you track this in real time because on the 538 website, New York times website, you can actually see when the votes are dumped. So first of all, the question is, so I guess they were counting all of these votes. Now, the, the, again, what they're saying is, well, we never said we were stopping. We were counting all through the night. Uh, I don't think so because we know full well that for whatever reason, Milwaukee, it was either Milwaukee or Detroit, didn't report any ballots, any vote totals for about four hours, Milwaukee. from like 12 in the twelve a.m. to 4 a.m. And then suddenly, 138,000 ballots were, were showed up for Joe Biden. Now, the explanation that we've heard from this, from the people that say all of the fraud is just nonsense and sore loserdom, including somebody like David French, is you just don't understand how this works. (laughs) They were counting the entire time, and what happens is they post the, the batch of votes for Joe Biden, and then they posted the batch of votes for Trump, and that's why it looks like it's a zero. So here's the thing that I want people to understand. The... Voter turnout for the state of Wisconsin – and by the way, there's been a lot of pushback saying, well, that's because you're not measure, measuring – you're measuring registered voters and not eligible voters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really change. The voter turnout for Wisconsin is 88%. Okay. Now, for people that don't follow presidential elections, maybe that sort of sounds kind of – well, that's kind of reasonable. I mean it's a hotly contested election, 88%. Okay. Chad, do you know how many deviations, standard deviations from the mean that turnout is based on Wisconsin's historical average in presidential elections?
0: I do not know how many it was, but I can tell you it was a lot. It was a substantial lot.
1: Five. And for people that don't know what that means, it's a ridiculous Variation on what was historically expected. Do you know what the turnout rate in Wisconsin was when Barack Obama won?
0: I don't, it was, it was 67% in 2016. I don't know what it was in yeah,
1: yeah, 2020. It, it was 67% in 2016. And I think for Obama, it was like maybe 70, 70 or 71. There has never been a state in the history of the country that recorded an 88% turnout rate in an election. But here's what's even more interesting. So let's talk about the the Joe Biden epicenter, okay, of Milwaukee. And remember, the defense to all of this is Joe, we expect Joe Biden to win big in mail-in ballots, particularly in his deep blue areas. Fair enough. So what I want to know is what was Joe Biden winning those ballots in those areas across the country, what was the ratio? So in other words, pick San Francisco, pick Austin, pick Chicago, pick New York City. Do you know what the general average was for Joe Biden throughout the election? I do not. Okay. It was somewhere between 65 and 70%. Okay, and it varies by region. could be more. So he was, and that, by the way, that's a pretty healthy margin. You're winning more than two to one. Yeah. Okay. His margin in all of the various wards of Milwaukee was like 98 to two. Hmm. So they learned. Now, they learned what you're telling me. There were seven, they're still evaluating this. So people understand the wards, sometimes they're called precincts. These are the areas that make up that, you know, the city that have the different vote totals coming in. There are seven wards in Milwaukee that reported 100% voter turnout, 100%. That seems unlikely. The Again, the pushback to that is, well, that's because they have same-day voting. And so, okay, so let me understand this. All of these people, okay, that had months and months and months, and good grief, they're being bombarded with all of the, you need to vote, it's the most important election, you have to get rid of Hitler. We had all of these people that could have sent in absentee ballots, and of course we know We know that the Democrats don't like coming in person, but then they suddenly rouse themselves the day of the election. You know what? I'm going to go register to vote today. Okay, no. So there's seven wards with 100%. There's two wards, two wards with over 200%. (laughs) Now, again, I'm not a theoretical mathematician. Uh That doesn't sound kosher. And there's 15 other wards. And remember, remember we just talked about Joe Biden, uh, you know, running at, again, vote totals 70%, but there's 15 other wards, 98%, 98%. So we basically are looking at across 19 wards in Milwaukee, every single ambulatory human being that could be found voted. And you know what? 98% of them voted for Joe Biden. And They voted for him in a six hour window between midnight and six in the morning. And you say, well, what does that matter? Well, because if you actually look at a graph of how the votes are being counted, time lapse, you see the two squiggly lines. Okay, so you got the red line for Trump, the blue line for Biden, and they're kind of going up. And for the whole time during Election Day, they're separated. Trump's ahead a little bit. Uh, And then you see this incredible vertical spike. At like four in the morning, where suddenly Joe Biden takes the lead. Okay, so once again, for someone like my fr- our friend, for the David Frenchs of the world, for for the the people that are scoffing and saying nothing to see here, your <laughs> your trafficking in conspiracy. Here's what I would say. Remember the expression, Chad? You know, don't don't pee on my leg and tell me it's that raining. it's raining. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it's raining. Now, if if you're telling me we can't be sure about whether or not this had an impact, that's fine. But if you're going to tell me, based and and we could go into, this happened in Philadelphia. There was a tranche of ballots in Philadelphia, 23,000 votes for Biden, zero for Trump. The same thing. So here's all I want. I simply want an audit of four cities. I want them to audit Milwaukee, Detroit, Philadelphia, and Atlanta. And Five, part of that audit... Phoenix, huh? too.
0: I want Phoenix, too.
1: You want Phoenix? Okay. We don't have to do the nation. Because, no. by the way, the other interesting thing about this is that while Biden was having these incredible turnout rates in these cities, they're not reflected anywhere else. So the, the curious part of it is, is that it's so coincidental that these massive ballot dumps and these massive ratios in Joe Biden's favor only occurred in the four large urban centers in states that he had to win in order to win the presidency. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm perhaps a cynical person, but that just doesn't really pass the smell test for me. So what say you about this dynamic? (laughs)
0: I, I would agree with you that in 2012, there was a number of polling places in Philadelphia. We, we've talked about this before. Uh, they had Obama's picture at the polling place and he was on the ballot, which is a violation. And literally every single person who voted in those precincts voted for Obama. Not a single vote for anybody other than Obama. Not even a third party person, none for anybody else. When I see stuff like that, I call BS because, frankly, I don't believe that the 89 percent turnout in Wisconsin. Don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe anywhere got 89 percent turnout because, as you point out, nationwide, we went up about 10 million votes from 2016. You're telling me that somehow went up 10 million votes nationwide and they went up 23, 24 percent from their highest Ever. And as you say, 100%, 200%, 98%. I don't believe that. I do not believe that. I'm sorry. And
1: again, the key is in the details because what somebody like David French says relating to these mail in ballots is it's ridiculous to claim it's fraud. Everyone knows that Joe Biden does better on the mail in ballots. And my point is, well, but. Okay. I accept that. I mean, the ratios were in his favor, but the point is you're speaking in generalities. I want to know how much better, because if he's running at 67 or 70% in these cities, I'm not really going to raise an eyebrow. You tell me he's running at 98%, 95%. Um, no, that never ever happens in the universe that we inhabit. So It matters what the numbers are. So don't let people tell you, well, that's ridiculous. The the Biden votes rolled in. It was the urban centers. They're just catching up. They're just counting the votes. Donald Trump doesn't want them to count the votes. No, Donald Trump, and I would hope any American, wants them to count the legally cast votes, Mm -hmm. not – A thousand votes in a wagon pulled into the Detroit Convention Center. So this is another, all this sort of anecdotal (laughs) stuff, right? And I know the plural of anecdote does not mean data, but nevertheless, a few suspicious things. So you see this guy uh, at 2 a.m. outside the Detroit Convention Center. Apparently a local attorney was monitoring this. And you see the footage of the guy. He's got a van. Nobody else is around. Opens up the back of the van. He's got a wagon. There's like a box in it or something. Kind of moseys into the Detroit Convention Center where they're counting all the ballots. Supposedly a secure building. This guy just meanders in there, goes on his merry way. Now the question is: All right, what's that guy doing? I don't know what that guy's doing. Doordash.
0: It was Doordash. Somebody dash.
1: should probably find out what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. So you also have the video in Philadelphia of the and in Detroit of the poll workers telling all the Republican poll watchers, "You got to leave." Yeah. You got to go. There's the one video of them all applauding yeah. as they were being escorted out. In Philadelphia, they are defying a court order that said you have to let them within six feet because they're making them stand like 70 feet away. So you'd need the Hubble telescope to see what was going on. And and so this is hilarious. This is classic Philadelphia. So the judge issues an order that says you got to let them stand within six feet. So what do they do? They move. They move the barricade that they had erected back and then they simply moved the counting machines further back.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and again, you, all of this in isolation, what does it mean? I don't know, but, it starts to add up, Chad. Mm-hmm. Why, are you, why are you throwing Republican poll watchers out of your precinct? Why are you counting ballots in the middle of the night that just happen to be monumentally in favor of Joe Biden? Okay. Why are there people that have videos, including a guy from the Postal Service, saying in Michigan, we were told to backdate all of the mail ballots that we received on the 4th to the 2nd? so that they would, or whatever it was, or the third, so that they would be valid. Again, you can can say, this is all just random cranks, and yeah, but there's a lot of this going on, and the circumstances of how Donald Trump lost this election do not pass the smell test. I will be the first one to say, if they go in and do a rigorous audit of everything that was going on in those cities, and it is clean as a whistle, I guess I was wrong. But you know what? I don't I don't think any rational person believes that. And let's talk about our friend in terms of Chad. What do you know? No. What do you know historically even about places like Philadelphia, Detroit and Milwaukee? I mean, is this sort of outlandish that anyone would think that there was gambling going on at Rick's Cafe? What? (laughs) I mean, is it, Chad, what do you know about these cities in terms of their, I don't know, political history and elections? Uh, They tend
0: to be democratically controlled. And I got to imagine everything I've heard over the years, they kind of get what they want. Somehow the votes just come
1: in. Don't know how. They just always seem to come in. The corruption is an open secret. Okay. It's like an urban, uh, it's like a, a mark of pride in many ways. Yeah. You, all you need to do, if I hear this all the time, it, fraud. There Fraud is not, it, it's very rare. <laughs> uh, the, the mail-in ballot system is highly secure. Oh, uh, okay, listen, all you need to do is go and actually do some reading on just some of the stuff that happens in Philly and Detroit local elections yep. with Thousands of ballots that are invalidated with judges being paid off. There's people in prison all the time just for the local city council. This is, this is all public record. Okay. So you're telling me that these precincts in possibly the most sort of contentious presidential election in a long time, because of course we're being ruled by Hitler and we have to get rid of him. Oh no. Why Why would you cast aspersions on the hardworking people of Detroit and Philadelphia? Well, because we know historically that the game is rigged, and we've got a lot of circumstantial evidence that it was rigged to the nth degree this time around.:
0: I think there's no question the places you're talking about don't match up to the rest of the country. I think it's very clear. Here's another one you didn't bring up. So a pipe burst in Fulton County, Georgia. So they extend the polls for another two hours. The pipe burst at the counting location, not the polling locations. And for some reason, the entire county got extended another two hours. Does that seem irregular to anybody else? You just kind of randomly say, oh, we're just going to keep them open longer. Don't you worry about it. A pipe burst. Gotcha. I am concerned. Well, we've we've talked about this a lot. No mail-in ballots. No absentee ballots, no mail-in ballots. You can't make it to the poll. Sorry, your vote doesn't oh, no. count. You're disenfranchised. Okay, so I'll,
1: I will, I will make this okay. And you know what? We should also explain. So, what is it about mail-in ballots that creates so many opportunities for fraud? And and so we need to understand. And maybe some people there's a distinction between an absentee ballot that's requested by someone. Okay, military. Um or someone who's overseas or whatever, wants to, still American citizen, wants to vote. Um, and a mail-in ballot where we are simply taking a voter registration role, mm-hmm. and we are mass mailing ballots out willy-nilly, you know, millions, just anywhere. To all of these, and, and of course, we've talked about this, these voter rolls are not purged they're not monitored. And so here's something I, I will tell our listeners, and you can actually still do this, because a friend of mine at work who, let's just say, is is very exercised about this election, he took it upon himself to go on to, we in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's open data website. So the Commonwealth has a website. You could go on it right now, and you can pull up the 2020 general election voter registration information. And what you will see on there is... It it doesn't list voter names, but it lists individual voters by county. And then for each person, it lists their date of birth. And here's what's interesting. It then lists whether they requested a mail-in ballot. It'll have the date that the request was made. And then it has the date when the mail-in ballot was returned in these neat columns. So what he did is he went on there, and, and I was watching him do this. And so he started doing dates of birth in ascending order, okay, the, the dates of birth start somewhere approximately, there's people on the voter roll right now, because there's, there's like 4 million people on this database, mm-hmm. start somewhere around 1840. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Okay, so what? They were on the voter roll. They haven't been purged. Well, here's the thing. So, we start scrolling down. They voted here's, a guy, here's a guy. Here's no, or a guy or gal. We don't know because we don't have a name, but we have a person from Allegheny County Born in 1864 so right around that old conflict <laughs> that we had for four years, right the the blue yes. and the gray yeah. and um, what do we see as we scroll over? And I'm, again I ch- I would tell people I welcome go onto this website and look for yourself. Why? hey, this person requested a ballot in September mm-hmm. and their ballot was received. On October 9th of 2020. Now, you keep going. So he actually took three hours out of work because he was fo- so fed up with this. Yeah. He simply did it all the way down to people who were 100 years old. So basically meaning all the people who are dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe there's about three people in Pennsylvania who are over 100, okay? Right. And maybe they voted. Do you know how many ballots just in that amount that he saw for people from 126 years old down to a hundred that were requested and received?
0: 166. You mean a uh, thousand.
1: There was, there was well over a thousand. Yep. So this again, all these people that talk about why would you have any reason to make these ridiculous allegations? Well, I don't know. The low-hanging fruit on Pennsylvania's own open data website, and this is just the first thing you would look to, seems to indicate on its face that a 1,000 dead people sent in mail-in ballots that were accepted. Now, someone might say, well, maybe they were separated by the careful scrutiny of the ah, poll watcher." Sure. Well, you know what? Sure. At that point that becomes a rebuttable presumption. And I'm going to want somebody to demonstrate that the guy that was born in 1864 didn't actually vote in this election. Cause you know what, Chad, I have a feeling he probably did. Yeah.
0: Well, that, I think that's the, that's the part that most people want to say.
1: There is a difference between
0: the absentee ballot and a, what, what happened here. And, and this is the effectively you've won a million dollars. Just open the envelope. That's what it is. I, I hold in my hand, a letter from the Center for Voter Information, okay? And I also hold my other hand, hey, David, did you return your ballot? Uh, Yes, I had returned my ballot when this arrived, so it's a little odd that they didn't know that already since I was told I got it. Uh, This was postmarked after I'd already returned my ballot and been told my ballot had been returned because I was traveling. Uh, But this is what's going out, and this Center for Voter Information was actually sending out ballots in Kentucky uh, and Wisconsin, is from what I can check. Uh, they came out and gave you an unbiased opinion on three big issues and where each of the candidates stood. Reducing funding for Medicare, criminal background checks for gun purchases, and clean energy jobs. You're going to be shocked that Trump is a no on anything that is positive and yes on the reducing funding for Medicare. Biden is all, is the opposite of each one of those. Now, their source material, again, this is unbiased, remember. Their source material <laughs> for Joe Biden is Vice for reducing funding for Medicare. So an article from Vice, which we know is a highly conservative uh, yes. publication.
1: We don't even care conservative. It's it's highly neutral. Very yeah, neutral. Very
0: neutral. Criminal background checks for gun. Per, oh, sorry, for, for Trump, it was CNBC from 2019 talked about Medicare. Criminal background checks for guns. Biden was uh yes on that. Do you can't support requiring criminal background checks in order to buy a gun? Yes. According to for Joe Biden, you know where they got that information? Joe Biden's website. Right. Uh, clean well, energy. Why jobs. Would you, again. Why
1: would you question that? Go yeah. to the horse's mouth, Chad. Clean energy
0: jobs, Democrat uh, Biden. Yes. Also from his website. Uh, Trump sourced the Washington Post says he doesn't support gun uh, background checks for gun purchases. And. A book from 2015, you know, before he was president, uh, says he doesn't, he's not in favor of clean energy jobs. That would be Donald Trump. So this unbiased, totally out there, just trying to make sure you understood what's yes or no, use no actual sources other than whatever they felt like to support whatever position they wanted to support, which is a load of crap. I received that. And they said, well, you can unsubscribe. So I did. And they said, well, could you tell us why? I said, well, let's see. Your sources (laughs) are complete garbage. You're using a book from five years ago. How about the four years he was actually president as a source instead of something when he wasn't president by a hack, who I've never heard of this book, Crippled America by Donald Trump. He didn't write Crippled America and say he was against green energy jobs. I looked it up. Not in there. This is the, this is the garbage we're getting from this mail-in ballot fiasco. I'm tired. You know how we avoid 90 million mistakes? You don't create the mistake in the first place. As you said yes, last week, but show up in, and vote,
1: period. The, the virtue of the mail-in ballots is the chaos. Sure.
0: Okay? Uh, look. You can't do an audit. You talk about an nobody, audit, no audit.
1: Nobody that knows, and this is, again, this is one of these gaslighting things where they say, anyone that tells you that there is simply nothing to worry about with fraud and mail-in ballots is either ignorant or lying. They're lying. Okay? And you know what? Most of them are lying. And guess who was one of the strongest proponents of not having mail-in ballots for probably 20 or 30 years? You'll never guess who made many, many speeches about the <laughs> dangers of fraud with mail-in ballots. I'll give you one guess, Chad. Who do you think that person was?
0: JBJ? Joe Biden Jr.? Oh
1: <gasps> Yes. Miss, Mr. Biden. President-elect Biden used to have a healthy dose of skepticism about mail-in ballots. He suddenly had a recent epiphany when he realized that I could stay in my basement and let the machine crank them out for us. They are not secure. Uh, They can be manipulated in multiple different ways. Here's another example. You saw these stories about poll watchers being pushed out, Republican poll watchers not allowed in the room. Yep. Okay. And this is this was going on. There's testimony about this in Detroit, Philadelphia, et cetera. Like, well, why is that really a problem? Well, here's why the problem. <laughs> because as these ballots come in, people need to understand the identifying information is on the envelope. Yep. Okay. The ballot is inside an envelope. Once the ballot is removed from the envelope and sort of is made part of the, the, the millions of others it becomes indistinguishable. And so one of the games is once you get that ballot, so if there's, let's say there's only one Democrat poll watcher that's there, they look at this ballot, they find out on their open registry, because there's a, there's basic checks that they do or are supposed to do. Is this person, for instance, still alive? Is this person still a resident of the state where they are voting? Or the this county. Is something
0: they're voting the county, in. right,
1: exactly, the county. So, because if they aren't, they can't vote in that precinct. Right. And they can get, guess what? They can get a provisional ballot and they can, you know, they can have the Democratic uh, panel van, run them across town to make sure <laughs> they vote or whatever. But here's the point. If that check is not done and that person just says, it's going into the pile anyway, I don't care because they voted for Biden, it's gone. There's no way that you will ever document that that ballot should never have been recorded. Right. Okay. So you need to have eyes on the people transparency when they are actually counting these. Now imagine the mischief you could get up to between midnight and four in the morning in a convention center with thousands and thousands of these ballots. By the way, you told everyone to go home. Yeah. We weren't counting anymore. Yeah. Where were the other watchers? So I simply look, I will, I refuse to be gaslighted by people who are saying there is no proof you're 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 a conspiracist i thought you were smarter than this tony you've become much tr- i no no just stop it just stop it again you and i have both admitted we have no idea right now whether fraud caused this election to go into joe biden's column what i do know is as somebody who can actually see with my own two eyes and make rational, reach rational conclusions about the evidence in front of my face, there is a host of alarm bells that should be going off about what was going on in those Democratic controlled cities. And there should be investigations out the wazoo to confirm to the satisfaction of the American people that you're not living in a banana republic, <laughs> but you actually had. A viable vote that mattered and wasn't canceled by a guy who had a wagon full of fake ballots that got filed at two in the morning. Yeah. That's that's what this is about.
0: As it should be. I don't think I'm ever gonna get my wish. For those of you out there saying there should be a national policy that would require a constitutional amendment. Like good luck getting that. Never happen. Not gonna happen. Each state is responsible for their own. Somebody told me today, well, we should all have the same voting machines. Again. States are responsible for their own election. Good luck getting that through, that everybody has the same machine because there's a bidder for each one, and that's not going to happen. So banish that thought. I'd love to get rid of mail-in ballots. I think they're they're horrible. And, as if we, we don't get rid
1: of mail-in ballots, this will happen. We will never have another election with any certainty about the result because they are designed to cause chaos. Yes. They They invite and allow for fraud, and unfortunately, for one of the parties in this country right now, that is a feature and not a bug.
0: Yeah, and that is exactly what they want until it turns against them. I would say that the Democrats learned from 2000 and they learned from 2016. They learned how to play that game to get what they wanted and rig it in their direction. Whether or not it turned on the election, I don't know. I want to touch on something else because we could talk forever, and there's lawsuits going on, but I don't. I honestly don't think anything's going to change. I, the results are going to be the results. I don't think the
1: results are going to change. I do think that these lawsuits, it'll be interesting to see the kind of information that they actually wind up disclosing. Uh, and it'll also be interesting to see whether you can actually find any of this information on the mainstream media because no. Twitter and Facebook no. and everyone else will lock it down and pretend it's not even happening.
0: Right. That's not going to happen. So the question has to be, has come up numerous times. Now, there's two different things. So the Jacobin. I'm sure it's a regular read for you. Uh, yes, has already published by Ben Burgess today. No honeymoon for Joe Biden. Just because he won doesn't mean we can't push him for our agenda. And if he's in the way, we need to get rid of him. This is the right. guy they from just the voted for sure. from the left. If you're not familiar with the Jacobin, <clears throat> not the French Revolution, but might as well be. Uh it's, not, it's good that Donald Trump lost, but the left now needs to pivot immediately to opposition to the Joe Biden administration. This is the guy that 74 million people voted for, right? but we need to have opposition to him immediately. What does yeah. that say about what we're dealing with here? Because I've read from our friend and others, I can't believe I live in a country where 70 million people voted for that guy. Now, I want to tell people, people keep saying voted for that guy. No, what they voted for was closed borders. They voted for jobs. They voted for some sort of uh, pro-life stance, whether you believe it's pro-life or not, the courts, uh, the system. They voted for all those things that we all want in our system. But we keep being told because they're coming from the orange bad man that you're not allowed to have them because (laughs) that's bad. You are a racist. Now, if you look at the exit polls, and again, they're exit polls, and I don't trust exit polls, but more Black men voted for Donald Trump than has been voted for a Republican in decades. That's, that's
1: the best. That's the decades. best. Decades. So the the racist, nativist, alt right rabble rouser who hates all brown people got more votes from African Americans and Latinos than any prior Republican president but we're still supposed to listen to our friend and Mm -hmm. people like him who are saying apparently what he would tell those people i actually wonder what he would say to those people he he would apparently be telling them you simply don't understand how racist he is if you will attend one of my re-education seminars (laughs) i will explain to you because it's impossible right so again the condescension I, ex- I want to see one of those people grapple with that reality. And they won't. You know what they're doing? They're already labeling as heretics and unclean mm-hmm. these Latin Americans who were formerly part of their big tent. Oh, well, you obviously must be cast out. You're filled with self-hatred, right? You've, you've abandoned. So, And again, these are, these are upper-middle-class white people. Yeah. Right. Ensconced behind their gated communities, telling these Latin Americans who, how dare you, how dare you vote for Donald Trump? We've lectured you repeatedly that he hates you. So I don't expect our friend to grapple with that in any, any way, shape or form, because the cognitive dissonance would cause a rift in the space time (laughs) continuum if you actually had to think through that.
0: That is very true. Uh, I was watching Joy Reid uh, Tuesday night because, you know, I like to I like to hurt myself.
1: Uncle Clarence. That's that where I was, I was going. I was going to
0: go to Uncle Clarence. If you're not sure who Uncle Clarence is and my wife had determined, said, who is she talking about? That would be Clarence Thomas, the most senior member of the, the United States Supreme Court, who is a black man. Joy Reid is also a black woman calling him Uncle Clarence as in Uncle Tom. Right. This is the senior member of the U.S. Supreme Court. She's calling Uncle Clarence.
1: Well, okay. she, he doesn't disgrace agree. to his race. He has the he has the audacity to disagree with Joy Reid's worldview, and therefore he must be demonized. By the way, if you know anything about Clarence Thomas, he knows um, about an infinite amount more of actual racism in his life than joy Reed has probably ever experienced. He grew up grindingly poor in the South when it actually was Mississippi burning yeah. and there were people being lynched. And he knows that he is one of the America's greatest success stories. And you've got this bozo on what MSNBC Mm -hmm. calling him an uncle Tom. Why? Because he disagrees with her political agenda. Okay. And you know what? He's not the only one that label is applied. If you want to be really hated by the left in America, don't just be a conservative. Don't just be a Christian, be a minority Christian or a conservative. If you want to see what real demonization is, because You have strayed from the tribe and you're not as, as what, who's the member of the squad that said we don't need any more Brown people that don't vote like Brown people, right? Or whatever you're, and Joe Biden says this kind of stuff all the time, right? What was his, what was his quote? Like you ain't black. Yeah. you you don't don't vote vote for me, me, you ain't black. black. Yeah. Cause cause we know how all you black people are supposed to vote. You vote for us.
0: Well, maybe in this election we saw that that wasn't quite the case. They actually. Well, and I'm sure. Conscience.
1: I'm sure. Maybe in some some more sober back rooms, where the people that run the Democratic Party think about their sort of you know 20 year plans, those exit polls about minority voting are very disconcerting to them. Because remember, the mantra has been for many years demographics or destiny, right? It was going to be, we're going to just inundate the country. It's increasingly multicultural. The more minorities that there are, all of you hateful, bigoted, old white people are going to fade away. Well, guess what? It's got to be a little disturbing then to realize that after you spent four years telling everyone that Donald Trump was the worst mouth-breathing racist who ever existed, somehow – all of the people that you were sermonizing, more of them voted for him than last time. That's got to be very troubling if you are a racial demagogue who is planning on using that as your strategy going forward.
0: So uh, we had a couple of questions from one of our listeners. Uh, they wanted to know why some states were able to complete counting faster than others. And if we're talking about mail-in ballots, it's because certain states, like Pennsylvania, were not allowed to start counting ballots until the polls opened on Election Day. Some other states were allowed to start sooner. Therefore, the numbers were already known, which might be where some of that number came from. We, we know Biden is polling very well or coming very well with the mail-in ballots. I question how you can know that if they haven't been counted, a la Josh Shapiro, attorney general for the state of Pennsylvania, knew on Monday that, da- that Joe Biden would win Pennsylvania if all the votes were counted. That seems ironic. Yes. We talked about that on Monday. Not
1: sure. How we well, by that. the way, so when we continue to add our circumstantial red flags, how about a statement like that? Um, uh, we know once once all those votes are counted, Joe's going to be in the lead. And you know what? He was. Miraculous. <laughs> Just it works out that way.
0: Um, I should have read your text here because I said this five standard deviations. I should read closer. That was my fault. <laughs> uh How the legal process works and how a recount works. Now, every state's different. As we said earlier, every state has laws in place as to when a recount is triggered. Typically, it's it's within 1% or if the losing party requests it uh, within a certain margin. So every state is a little bit different. Uh, Some are automatic recalls, and I can't name those states off the top of my head, Uh, but it's really, again, state-specific. And I think that's where people get confused a lot because they just say it's a national election. So why isn't it a national rules? It isn't. Uh, it's just, that's how it works. If you notice uh, when you're watching election night, different polls close at different times. Some closed on the half hour, some closed on the hour, some closed at seven, some closed at eight, some closed at 7.30, Just It depends. If you looked at Nebraska and Maine, you saw that they split their electoral votes based on how, poll- how they come in. Every other state is a winner-take-all. At least right now that may change certain states have been trying to change what that looks like so it is a 50 state mess as to how that all comes up but those are very state specific uh pennsylvania currently is in winner take all uh and you just need one more vote than your opponent to take all so that's how that works uh that was it i think was the questions we got um I, I don't know where anything goes from here. I, I, I stopped at the at the, tar, at the start. This is some positives coming from this. And I know it's hard to gloss over that when you're looking just at the presidential side, but I really think you need to look at some of the positives coming from there. Now, if the Senate does go split from the Georgia oh races.
1: Well, and so I would say the shenanigans that are going to go on relating to those two runoffs. Yeah. You know, again, how how would you say that, Tony? You're you're again, you're already casting aspersions on the process. Okay, again, given what I just saw in the presidential election, the Democrats now know that if they manage to win those Senate seats, they control the entire government because Kamala Harris becomes the tie-breaking vote, and then all of our woke dreams can come true. Uh now, the interesting thing though is There may be, you know, the House elections may have scuttled a little bit of the radical left agenda. And the reason I say that is, I reference back to that conference call that they must have had, is 2022 is coming up very quickly. First of all, generally in the first midterm after any presidential election, the party that holds the presidency historically takes losses. The Democrats are also actually now defending More seats. That's one of the reasons they expected to expand the map this time. So they're in a worse position in terms of the incumbents that are defending and where they're defending. Historically, it's not a good midterm for them. And now they're in a position where the House could very easily flip. In other words, they were never expecting that to be on the board after this election. They were expecting to now have a, whatever, 30, 40-seat advantage. Their yeah. advantage is down below 10 seats. Right. So all of these House members in purple-red areas, I'm wondering whether they're going to be fully on board with Operation Green New Deal, Operation ban fracking or whatever whatever other craziness that Pelosi wants to try to jam through. So that could that could sort of mess things up for them. Um but look, let's make no bones about it. If the Democrats manage to take Georgia and control the Senate, it is it is very bad uh very bad from a policy standpoint for the next 2 years. Just not good at all for the country, uh, just just disastrous in terms of the kind of things that they're going to pursue.
0: I, I agree. I, I think we'll have to see how that all shakes out in January. I, I would think the turnout again, we talked about turnout earlier. I can't imagine in a runoff election that the turnout will mimic what we saw for the presidential election. And if it exceeds that, then I think you really got to call that into question as well. Uh, again, because that makes yeah, so and no unless sense.
1: unless the GOP uh, have been lobotomized, they better have boots on the ground in Georgia to monitor every polling place. In other words, if you start seeing videos of you know poll watchers being thrown out again or any of those kind of shenanigans without immediate recourse, yeah, then they deserve to lose. All right, because they better have that locked down to the point where there's no, there's not going to be any horseplay. There's not going to be any people showing up at two in the morning with extra ballots or whatever else. I agree with you. the The normal dynamics of those races would suggest that the Republicans will probably win both. Will should almost definitely win one. But this is now this is now a hinge point. Um, The ring of power is within their grasp. And the amount of money that will be funneled into that state will be incredible. Yeah. As we said, let's just see the hijinks that go on with Georgia residency. Let's take a look at the uh, the number of people that suddenly migrate down to Georgia <laughs> and they want to live there because there's a lot of good business opportunities. We're going to have to keep an eye on that. Uh, it's going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't want to see a lot of Midnight Train to Georgia uh, references anytime yeah. soon. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm not, I'm not hopeful that Biden is anything more than the stooge. I think he is. Um, I I guess I'm supposed to think that Kamala Harris being elected vice president is historic. If, if, if I'm told that we're all like, we're all the same and a man can be a woman, a woman can be a man. I'm not really sure what the historic significance of Kamala Harris being elected vice president really is. Uh, again, this is the, the party of science, except they can't seem right. to figure out that there's only two genders even in science. Yeah, that's a,
1: that's a good point. You know, one other thing I wanted to mention just in terms of, how these elections are playing out with the mail-in ballots and the the counting for days, right? Yeah. Look, the bottom line is you only count for days in third world countries. We should, yeah. we should not be counting ballots for days, but Mark Levin, and I don't, I actually don't watch his program very often, but people probably know who he is. Mm-hmm. He's a conservative. He made the point. It's a very good point. I think he tweeted this out and he said, well, if we're allowed to count ballots, mail-in ballots for days, why can't we just start showing up at the polls for days too? Some I mean, in other words, a vote is a vote. So if we're going to have this absurdity where, oh, we need three extra days, we need five extra days, well, then why don't, why can't we just have, you know, Trump voters continue to show up at the polls for, you know, Thursday through Saturday? You yeah. know, like, listen, it's too hard to pick one day. You might sure. have something going on, maybe sure. a family picnic, whatever. So listen, you get three days, just, just show up at one of the three days. And you know what? The rationale is no different, right? Why shouldn't you be able to do that? Well, you should.
0: It, there has to be an end point. There has to be, this is the time. And it's not like you didn't know this was coming. It's, it's in November every year. If you you didn't know, can't help you. If you didn't know, you probably weren't voting anyway. So that's the point there. Here's the date. Don't say we, well, because of COVID, we couldn't do this because of this. We couldn't do this. I'm convinced that Joe Biden will be our 46th president because COVID hit, not because he caused it, but because he didn't actually have to do anything to get the nomination he didn't have to do anything to campaign for the presidency and here's this guy who failed two previous times and it wasn't even close he he never won a a primary until this election somehow he wins the presidency he didn't change he didn't get better he only got worse if he was even starting out good I don't understand how this occurs so I'm going to flip it on people you may say how did 70 million people vote for Donald Trump? How did 74 million people vote for Joe Biden? Because there uh there's nothing to inspire unless and this is this is my belief 74 million people, I would say probably 50 million of those people voted against Donald Trump the person. Not Donald Trump the president, Donald Trump the person. Yeah.
1: yeah that I means think
0: so. you didn't really vote for Joe Biden as the Jacobin is saying here. You voted against Donald Trump, which again a lot of people voted against Hillary Clinton. They didn't necessarily vote for Donald Trump, they voted against Hillary Clinton. This
1: and that's so fine. Different. And of course, you know, people like our friend will then say and this just demonstrates that the, the evil man has been repudiated. But but here's the thing. Was he? It's hard to it's hard to make that argument when again, and of course he's very, very disappointed in all of us for those that voted for <laughs> Donald Trump. Um but you have all of these constituencies including minorities that voted for him. He got more votes than Barack Obama. Yeah. So so in some ways donald trump is the remember they're tr- they're trumpeting you know they're they're saying joe biden is so popular and so charismatic and so wonderful in all aspects he got the most votes of any president in history and of course the rejoinder to that is that's great donald trump evil incarnate got the second most So what are we supposed to conclude about that? Because if the thesis is that after four years of living under the crushing tyranny of the Trump administration, how, like you said, how in the world then did so many people, and of course the answer for these people is going to be, well, the Rush Limbaugh mind control beams are very difficult (laughs) to uh, affect. They're just too stupid. They're, Either that either that or of course they're just all evil and wicked. That's a lot of really, really evil and wicked people.
0: I uh, 70 million people voted for Trump, 74 million people voted for Joe Biden. Uh Nancy Pelosi said Biden has a mandate to govern. I would disagree. Let me
1: explain but let it, me explain mandates. Yeah. So this isn't it. <laughs> any Republican that wins an election, including Reagan over Mondale does not have a mandate. Correct. Any Democrat that wins an election, even if it's by one fourth of 1% of one vote, has an immediate mandate to do everything on the leftist wish list. Uh, So yes, of course he has a mandate because every Democratic president, according to the media, has a mandate. And in fact, I always love it that the immediate meme would be if Donald Trump had won is, it's now time for Donald Trump to reach out to the people that have opposed him and actually implement their policies. That's the only reasonable bipartisan thing to do, which raises an issue I want to ask you about as we finish. Yes. Uh, I was reading a couple articles about how Republicans should respond to the Biden administration. Yeah. And of course, maybe people who are more mature than I am, more sober minded, more interested in, uh civility, would say we're now supposed to heal the wounds of the country. Now, I want to distinguish between two things. I want to distinguish between interpersonal relationships with our friends and neighbors. As a Christian, po- politics should never, should never be a wedge between you and somebody else. It doesn't mean you can't vehemently disagree with them on the issues. What I mean is in terms of relationships with people, if you are of the mindset that I'm not going to associate with somebody because they have a Joe Biden sign on their lawn or a Donald Trump sign on the lawn, then, then you've got your priorities out of whack. However, I'm talking at a level of government checks and balances what do you say, Chad, about the Republican approach to the Biden administration? Should they, in the interests of America and for the children, try to compromise with the Biden administration's agenda?
0: Uh, in in a word, not here, not now, not ever. But I would say that's that, more than a word. That's a couple but, words. I can't count. Well, neither can Pennsylvania. I don't believe you should ever compromise on your principles. So if if Joe Biden nominates a federal judge who is a leftist wacko, I think you have every right to do whatever you need to do to make sure that that leftist wacko does not get to the bench. So agreed. I, I don't think you say, well, they won. We should just, we should look like Lindsey Graham will probably do. I don't
1: agree with that. You I don't, don't know if through... Lindsey Graham is actually going to do that. I do think we'll that, again, I always have my hopes dashed, but the behavior of the left over the last four years um, tends to be a clarifying thing for people when you actually see it firsthand. And yes, my approach would be you will get nothing. No, we will. And, and by the way, when it, you hear people saying it's for the good of the country, well, no, if you think that all of the policies that you are opposing, which I do, are horrible for the country, it is not for the good of the country to allow any of those policies to the extent you can prevent them from being implemented. That's bad for the country. Right. So I'm not one of these people that says, Joe Biden's not my president. No, he, he's going to be the president of the United States. Do I think that anyone on the Republican side should help him advance his agenda? No. No. Only in
0: so far as if they agree with it. Uh, if they if it's an agenda that fits your but we know what the agenda is. Right. I, I don't That's I, the point. I'm using it as a generals, not not Joe Biden per se. I, I think and and to be very frank, the Democrats would do the exact same thing.
1: Well have so done we, and have, have done, done and will continue, continue to do. So I, this is this is no th- all this is is now a political knife fight. Okay. Meaning, and I'm saying it's perfectly legitimate. This is the way the framers designed it. That's why it's gridlock. Yes. Gridlock is a feature.
0: That's what Um, I'm going to say. Government
1: should be restraining government is a very good thing in many ways. Yes. Are there times when things have to get done? Absolutely. But in general, I don't have a problem with gridlock. That's otherwise known as the checks and balances that the framers built into the system.
0: Well, I I think if, if you have uh, money invested in the stock market, the stock market likes gridlock. They don't like uncertainty. They like knowing no matter what goes on, it's going to be hard to change the status quo. Whether you like that or not, is up to you. If you're progressive, I'm sure you don't. The reality is I don't need to have new laws. Just enforce the ones that are there. Right. Get rid of some that Actually, are I, there. Actually, I
1: prefer they remove many of them. Yeah,
0: but I don't need more laws just because you're, tra- you're trying to justify why you're there. I don't need another law. I'm pretty certain most of the laws out there are overkill to begin with. So you're not helping me by saying we got more agenda pushed through. We got more stuff. It's always about more, 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 more
1: right No. So yep. in your response, no,
0: don't, don't help. Don't assist, uh, block.
1: No, whenever, no, no quarter, no micrometer, um, and again, if Mitch is running the Senate, that's what's going to happen. And, and of course, there will be the usual wailing and gnashing of teeth, the, the obstruction. You know what obstruction is? Obstruction is using your constitutional authority as a co-equal branch of Congress to refuse to implement an agenda that you believe is malignant and damaging to the country. So they can squall all they want about obstructionism and hating the American people. If I'm Mitch McConnell, I'm simply going to tell Chuck Schumer, um, you can can tell Nancy to bring whatever legislation over here she wants. She'll get nothing. She'll get absolutely nothing and like it. Because there's nothing – here's the thing. There's nothing about your advertised agenda that we agree with. Mm -hmm. And if we pass this, it's economically destructive. uh, It's economically illiterate. It is damaging to the country. This is the reason we have two political parties that don't agree with each other. So now, if you want to ameliorate your views and send us something that isn't larded up, with a whole bunch of progressive nonsense, mm-hmm. we'll be happy to consider it. But you've already telegraphed that that's not your approach. Your approach is going to be crammed through anything that you can. Unfortunately, again, we'll see what happens in January. If Mitch controls the Senate, that's not going to happen. You're not going to get anything, and you're just going to have to like it.
0: Yeah, I want to quote my brother, pound sand. Just, just pound yeah. sand uh, if you don't like it too bad. Uh, Nancy also said that she thought because of the mandate that the Senate should go along with whatever the House sent them.
1: Sure. The mandate. Right. I know. The mandate of a a Democrat is now president, so please do what we want.
0: (laughs) I also think that Republicans tend to function better as the minority for whatever reason. In in
1: some ways. In some ways they do.
0: uh, Not in every way, obviously, but when they were given the reins to get rid of Obamacare in 2016 – they passed, I don't know how many resolutions prior to that, but once they had the actual ability to make the change, they didn't do it. So I don't, I can't speak beyond that. I don't know. I, I'll be interested to see where this goes. I mean, there's a lot of doom and gloom, and it seems to be older people going, Oh, I can't believe what the country's become. I don't know. It's four years. I think the Biden Harris or the Harris Biden ticket, however you want to call well, it. Again, at
1: ch- check with me on that uh, when we find out who. Controls the Senate, yeah. and then I'll, yeah. I'll I'll see how gloomy I am because I'm going to be much more Eeyore-ish if they control uh, the Senate than I ordinarily would be. I would agree, with that. and again, I think you and I both agree. The one thing that has to change, and I don't think it's going to change, and is concerning, is the more that we have national elections with mail-in ballots. Oh yeah, um, it, it's a it's a disaster.
0: It's, it's not going to work out well for
1: well well. It'll it, work out well for some people, and we know who it's going to work out well for.
0: But it really won't because I think. You alluded to it earlier. We look like a third world banana republic when we do that. It, it just it we we as project long as they have stupidity. power,
1: they don't care what we look like.
0: Well, they say, and I don't they and I do. I don't
1: care what we look like. I don't. It's care. not a question of what we look like to the rest of the world. It's a question of sowing ongoing chaos, lack of certainty, invitations to fraud. It is a horrendous way to run elections, and anyone who honestly has studied the issue knows this including the people that are now championing it, because right now it's assisting them in furthering their agenda. But it is a very, very bad thing. And unfortunately, as you said, because it's a state-by-state process, the only way you're going to fix it is if you basically get governorship and legislative control of every one of these states and then change the laws to say, you must present ID, we will not do mail-in ballots, I would prefer to see absentee ballots. You can get one, but you've got to show up in person when you request it with your ID. Here it is. That's that's the, And guess what? At the end of election day, there's no more counting. Right. That's it.
0: That's it. We're done. Yeah, I think the ID thing has to garner some support. We've talked about that many, many times. You don't have ID, you don't vote. I don't care who you are. If you can't get ID, then you really can't function in this world. So, And it's not so much that the rest of the world views us. I think if people perceive in this country that the election is fixed or rigged, you lose representation or not representation, you lose support from the electorate to say, yeah, let's go out and vote because it doesn't matter what I do. And you have had yeah. that in the past and it only gets worse. So if if I think my vote truly will be negated by fraud, why even make the effort? You know, I could see a lot of people saying that. So we'll see. I agree. That's all I got,
1: Tony. That's the same for me.
0: Gnashing of teeth, uh, whatever. I uh, hope we satisfied the people that wanted us I to. I don't think
1: do we were really all rant. that. Uh, no. There wasn't too many head explosions.
0: Not too bad. Well, because we've had a couple of days to digest. and you know, That's true. It was called for Biden basically on Tuesday night, even though they officially didn't do it till today. But I, I didn't feel good waking up Wednesday morning that things were going to be different. So sadly, here we are. All right. Thanks for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. Hannah Tree Production.